Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. Turn your Bibles tonight uh, to 1 Peter 2, 9, and we're going to jump right into the Word tonight. Uh, we started a series last week. Uh, the series is entitled, I Do. It comes right after the I Am part of the series, talking about who we are in Christ Jesus. The Bible makes it very clear who we are, and uh, therefore we must be, you know, responsible for doing something as well. First Peter 2.9 lays this out for us uh, pretty clearly. First Peter 2.9 says this, says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is who you are. In other words, you're a Christ follower. If you're a Christ follower, how many Christ followers do I have here tonight? Okay, or maybe you're still working. That's totally cool. Okay, well, if I'm a Christ follower, then obviously there's something that I do, right? Okay, I know it goes through and it gives all these fancy names for it. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, you're chosen, and all those things are awesome and they're great and we love them. Uh, But when you boil it all down, it all boils down to this, man, you're a Christ follower, okay? And you know, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a, uh, if I own a pizzeria, I probably make what? Pizzas. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, um, if, you know, if I'm a sculptor, I probably make sculptures. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty, if I'm, if I'm a Christian or if I'm a Christ follower, I probably should be doing something. I don't make Christs, okay? <laughs> well, I kind of do. I make little Christs. I make Christians, all right? But um, I should be doing it if you get married. Anyway, um, and so, <laughs> praise Jesus. There's something we should be doing. We are somebody to do something. We've been talking about that purpose by design. I know, I know what I'm supposed to do because as I look at my life, okay, this is who I am, therefore I must do something. What is that something? Okay, you're chosen, you're royal, you're an awesome individual. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All right? You've been called out of darkness. Awesome. Okay, now if you got called out of darkness, how many think there's some other people that might not want to be walking around in the dark any longer? Okay, I don't think it's fair that you get called out of darkness and you run around like, woo, I'm out. Okay, and other people are tripping over their own furniture. Okay, well, it's, it's our job then to say, man, I got out. Man, I can call other people out. Man, I got called. I am, I am a royal priest and I'm a holy nation. I'm chosen by God. Why? So I can proclaim to other people that, hey, you don't have to run around in the dark. Okay. Uh, this last week, we celebrated my wife's birthday, and I was going to do something really special for her. And so I started looking uh, on uh, San Diego, or Googled, you know, uh, like unusual restaurants or like cool restaurants in San Diego. And there's this one that came up called Opaque. Has anybody ever been to it? You ever heard of it? Okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, plug it then, okay? Um, and it looked really cool, so I started reading about it. There was, it was like in a list of ten. I started reading about it, and it's, and it's this restaurant where you come, and all the waiters are blind. And they lead you to your table, and it's pitch dark. You can't see a thing. And then you sit down, and you eat everything in the dark, and it's supposed to enhance your eating pleasure, okay? I don't know. It's just, they say that way it's all up to the senses, you know? You can't see what you're eating. I just don't know if I'd trust. You ever played that game when you're little? Your, your friend would blindfold you and feed you whatever they wanted on a spoon? That's what I started thinking about when I started thinking about this restaurant. I don't know what they're going to put in my mouth. They, like chocolate-covered slug, and they could tell me it's something else. Are you with me? Okay. Anyway, I was, I was totally stoked on this. This was going to be this a new experience. And then, and then I was telling my wife about it, and she remembered back to this CSI episode uh, where they had this restaurant like that, and someone got killed because it was pitch dark, and then they never finished. She was like, I don't want to be that person. So needless to say, we didn't go to the restaurant, but one of these days, we will. What does that have to do with the message? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Other than you've been called out of that lifestyle, all right? 
Stop murdering people in the dark, okay? Just kidding. Oh, Jesus, help me. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, okay? And that is not just something that we're to be happy about. It's something we're to proclaim. It's something we're to tell others about. Turn with me, if you would, to Daniel chapter 3. You're going to read two other passages, and then we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, Daniel chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the providence of uh, Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather all the satraps, the prefects, in other words, all these important people, okay? And all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Drop down to verse 7. Therefore, as soon as all these people heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the pipe, and the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image that you have set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews who you have appointed over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. In other words, they're doing something opposite. What's going on, king? Then King Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, blah, 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 okay, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, then, then it's good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of, the, out of your hand, O king, but if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. As you read on, you see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow. They did not worship. Why? Because they understood something, that, that their worship would proclaim something about them. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. They would, not, they would not worship, and therefore, man, sure enough, the king grabbed them, threw them in the furnace. Have you guys read this story before? Great story. Okay. Threw them in the fire furnace and they died. Just kidding. Just see if you actually read this story. Okay. Threw them in the fiery furnace and, and nothing happened to them. The king came running over and he's like, what in the world's going on? And he looks in there and he no longer sees three, but he sees a, a fourth one. And, and he looks like the son of the living God. And he's like, what in the world's happening? Okay. Freaks out and he brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out. He's like, wow. Man, you're right. You worship the right God. And then the king sets up a decree from that moment on that man, the, ki- the, the God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worship, that's the God that the rest of the kingdom is going to worship. Pretty cool story. 
Okay, jump with me to the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. We're going to tie this all together. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your, your lives, the very person of who you are, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is so awesome. Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, God, you would speak to us, Lord God, so clearly. God, we would receive it, and we would learn, and we would live by it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I do. We've been talking, starting last week, we started the seven-week challenge, and basic seven-week challenge is this, is get out and bless as many people as you can. I know that sounds very simple, and it's kind of like, well, as Christ followers, shouldn't we be doing that anyway? Yes, we should, but we understand that many times we're not. And so we just decided to set out this seven-week challenge to maybe be a spark to some of you, like, man, I should be doing good works. And we talked about good works last week. I should be doing good to other people. And I believe that as we continue to do good to others, and even our neighbors and those we don't even know, and even those in the body of Christ, as we continue to do good, that we can change the culture. Are you with me tonight? And so we started our seven-week challenge, and in keeping with that, we started this new series, I Do, okay? 1 Peter 2.9, very clear. This is who you are. doesn't stop there. It continues on, and it says, this is why you are. You're to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, we talked, we talked last week that, that there's, there's times when we hear that word proclaim, okay? That you're to proclaim Jesus. And we instantly think of something. We instantly think of this, maybe this type of a setting where someone's proclaiming the word of God. They're preaching or they're teaching the word of God. Well, I remember back when I was younger and they, they first told me, hey, we're going to go out and tell others about Jesus Christ, okay? And all of a sudden I heard that and I got this instant image uh, of some freaky weird guy standing on the corner with a megaphone, okay? Not that, not that everybody standing on the corner is a freaky weirdo, but, okay? But you ever seen the guy with the sandwich board on one side it says Jesus saves and on the back it says you're all going to hell, right? And he's got the megaphone and he's yelling, turn or burn, you know, Jesus loves you, you're all going to hell. None of what he's saying makes sense, you with me? Okay, that's the guy I thought about, okay? And I didn't want to be that guy, okay? Maybe you do and that's fine, but I did not want to be that guy. So when they said, hey, we're going to go out and share Jesus, I was like, but then the other image that came to me was this, was, was the people riding around on the bicycles with the white shirts and the ties and the little badges. And I didn't want to be that person either because I like my bike, but riding in the white shirt and the tie just does not appeal to me, okay? And so I had these images come to me, and I was like, we're going to go do what? We're going to proclaim who? I'm sorry, I'm not a Christian any longer, okay? All right. So we talked about that last week. And, and we began to just kind of break it down in maybe a simpler form that, that there's many ways to proclaim Jesus Christ. That proclaiming Jesus Christ is not just a guy standing on the street corner, okay? Proclaiming Jesus Christ is not me going door to door, okay? That there's many more ways for me to proclaim Jesus Christ. Maybe you've heard this old saying that, man, in everything we do, let's, let's, let's proclaim the gospel and if necessary, use words, that statement is so powerful and it's so true that, that you and I don't just proclaim something with our mouth, but we actually proclaim something with who we are, okay? There's a story, there's a parable in the New Testament that Jesus tells, and he says, hey, there was these two brothers, 
And, and, and the dad comes to him and says, hey, I, I, I want you guys to do so, so and so or such and such. And one of them says, no, I'm not going to do it. And the other one says, oh, I'll do it. The one that says, I'll do it, never does it. The one that says, I'm not going to do it, he ends up doing it. And you know what the parable says? The parable says, man, the one that said he wasn't going to do it, but actually did it, is the one that belongs. Are you with me? What's that tell us tonight? That tells me this, that man, it's not just about what you say you believe. It's not just about what you say or all those things. It's about what you do or what your life speaks to other people. Are you with me tonight? And so we talked and, and we discovered this, that we can proclaim Jesus Christ three ways. There's many more ways, but the three we're looking at. One is with our works, and we talked about that last week, our good works and what that meant, okay? Tonight we're going to talk about we can proclaim Jesus Christ with our worship. And then next week we're going to talk about we proclaim Jesus Christ with our, with our words, with our words. Daniel chapter 3 paints a picture of worship for us. And it paints a picture of, of two different types of worship. There's the worship that we see that King Nebuchadnezzar does. And what King Nebuchadnezzar does is he takes his own image or the thing he wants to worship and he establishes that as the centerpiece of his life, as the focal of his life. You can see it because it even begins to describe how he made it and what it was made with and how how wide it was and how tall it was. In other words, you can see that he spent some time on this. Are you with me tonight? Okay. The word worship in definition, biblical definition means this. Is worthiness respect or reverence paid to a deity okay worthiness respect or reverence made to a deity paid to a deity in this case it was the deity that nebuchadnezzar had made for himself this is going to be the god not only is this going to be my god but now i'm going to impose this on everybody else and they're going to come and worship as well okay and we see this form of worship now here's something we've got to understand is that what you worship really does proclaim something. And can I just say this, that, that oftentimes when God is not the focal point of our life, is not the centerpiece of our life, we will find something else that becomes that focal point, becomes that, that center, becomes the focus of our life. Why is that? Because you and I were designed to worship someone. You and I were designed to worship ultimately Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But because we were designed that way, when he's not the centerpiece or the focal point of our life, now he's removed, but there's still this desire to worship someone or something that now, like Nebuchadnezzar, oftentimes we begin to put something in that place. Now, I mean, we think about it like, well, I don't have a Buddha, and I don't have a, okay. Let's just break it down real simple. Many people worship their work. And we're going we're to see this tonight. And it becomes the focal point of their life. Many people will worship a relationship. Many people worship success or money or fame or whatever it might be because God is removed from their life. He's not the focal point. They have to have something, and now that thing becomes the focal point of their life. Are you with me tonight? Okay? You and I were created. We were designed. And let me tell you this. What you worship proclaims something about you. Okay? People can actually look at your life and tell what you're worshiping. Okay? In Nebuchadnezzar's case, man, it was his golden image. Okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the opposite spectrum. They're like, hold on, we are not going to do that. Now think about how simple this is. They could just go through the motions. Okay, when it's time, we're just going to bow. We're not actually going to say anything. We're just going to say watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. 
all right? Or whatever they had back then, pomegranate, pomegranate, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Okay? Think about how easy that would have been. Okay, I'm not really worshiping him in my heart. I'm not really doing this. I just don't want to get thrown into a fiery furnace. Not today anyway, you know, maybe another day. Think about how easy it would have been just to be like, okay, there's the music, there's the bagpipe, there's the guy in the kilt playing it, okay, you know, let's bow. Okay, he's done. Think about how easy that would have been. But see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood something. They understood that if they would bow at that moment, what they were doing was worshiping this deity, and that worship proclaimed something about themselves. Therefore, they said, hold on a second, we can't do that, we cannot bow to that, we cannot worship that, because then we're beginning to proclaim that gold image that he set up. And so they said, forget it, we're not, we're not going to do that, because worship's powerful, okay? We're not, we're not going to do that, okay? Instead, they say, forget it. Now, listen to the, what they say. They say, man, we don't need to answer you, O king, with words. We're just going to worship our God and let it speak for itself. And if he saves us, it's a really good day. <laughs> but if not, we're going to burn and we're never going to worship your God. Yeah. Okay? But because they stood firm in their worship, now not only were they delivered, but now the king changes a whole entire, listen to me, your worship is so powerful. What you proclaim is so powerful that not only will it, will it minister here, but man, it can literally begin to change a culture. The king changed the whole entire culture. The king changed every decree. Hey, this now is going to be the why? Because three people said, no, 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 no. We're going to worship the true God. We're going to worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Something we have to understand about worship. In the Old Testament, worship was very, very structured and very systematic. Okay? Whether it was, whether it was Israel or whether it was another nation, they had their worship set up and it was very structured. There was a place they worshipped, there was a way they worshipped, there was things they were supposed to bring in different worship settings, and, and it was this very systematic, structured, almost religious thing, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. This is the way it was in the Old Testament. We actually see that even carried over now, even in the New Testament. Not only that, we actually see that carried over in today's church. So where do we get that? Why, why is it that I have to come in and there's a band up there and they're singing and they're playing? And where do we get that? We get that from the Old Testament structure of worship. It's structured. It's systematic. I know some churches you might sing, you know, hymns. and other churches you might sing this. But what is it? Pretty much the structure is the same. What is that there for? That is there and it's designed to get your focal point back on Jesus. To now, to now just come into this atmosphere. Now it's not focused on a band. It's not focused on the songs we're singing. Okay, it's literally, those are, just, those are just tools like the bagpipe, are you with me? Yeah. And the harp and the lyre and all those things. What if we played those one Sunday morning? It'd be awesome. Okay. Those are just all tools used to begin to direct your focus again back. Because how many of you guys know you go throughout the week and man, life beats the focus out of you? <laughs> or is it just me, you know? Life just has a way of beating me out of focus, and I need to come and, okay, let's just get this all right. Jesus, oh, yes, you do exist. Hallelujah, you know? <laughs> Are you with me tonight? And all those things is just designed to help you get focused, and there's nothing wrong with that. But can I tell you something? This is not the culmination of your worship. What takes place here 30 minutes a weekend is not the culmination, okay? Matter of fact, music is not even the culmination of your worship. 
Write this verse down, or chapter, John chapter 4. Write this one down, you can read it later. I believe it's verses like 20 through 24. John chapter 4, Jesus comes to this well and he finds this woman. And they begin this conversation and the conversation gets diverted and it gets diverted to one thing. It gets diverted to worship. And the woman begins to talk to Jesus about worship. And Jesus says this, hey, you got to understand something. Okay, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's not about where you worship. It's not even about how you worship. But it's about who you worship. The true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. That the hour is coming because the woman talked about, this is the place where the Jews, he says, no, 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 no. It's not about where, it's not about how, it's about your focal point. Because if you got the right focal point, you got the right worship. And if you got the right worship, it proclaims the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you with me tonight? So when people walk in and they see us, man, they might, you know, the first time in they might think, wow, they're really into this band, you know. But the longer they hang around, they're like, wait a second, there's, there's something more going on here. They begin to see, man, who are they wor- oh, they're worshiping God. Now, what does that begin to, pro- they must be Christians. They must be Christ followers, okay? But Jesus in the New Testament, through the book of Romans, takes it to a whole new level. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we read it tonight, says this. It says, hey, guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to present your whole entire life a living sacrifice. What does that speak of? That speaks of the structured worship back in the Old Testament. That now it's no longer an animal sacrifice, but I want you to present your whole entire life a sacrifice. A living worship service unto God. Wow, how do I do that? Kind of walk around with a bagpipe all day long? You know? I don't even know if that's how you play one, but it looks cool. How do I do that? Here's what I've discovered, okay? That when he's saying that, he's saying this. That people will look at the way you live your life. And how you live your life will declare what you're worshiping. Are you with me tonight? We can talk about, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And then people observe your life and they're like, okay, that's the way Christians are? Well, then I'm one too, <laughs> you know? Okay, are you with me tonight? Something, what, what is it? What is it? What is worship? Worship obviously is a heart thing. Okay? And that living, that living worship, the New Testament worship is made up of your time, your treasure, and your talent. Your time, your treasure, and your talent. Okay, and we're going we're to kind of break these down. If I'm to present myself a living, okay, awesome, how do I do that? With your time. With your time. Number one, time. What consumes my time is really the focus of my affection or my worship. It's, it's real simple. What consumes my time is the focus of my affection. Okay? In other words, if, if I was to say to you, because remember words, you know, we can say a lot of things. We can, we can paint a good fr- uh, picture and put on a good front. But let's just say, you know, we were talking one day and, you know, you were talking about American Idol. You guys like American Idol? I don't like it anymore because Paula's not on it. It'd be a bummer. I don't know who's going to boost my ego and make me feel good about myself. And 
And now you guys talk about American Idol, and I'm like, oh, man, I hate American Idol. American Idol is the stupidest show in the world, and, man, American Idol is dumb. And every time I hear somebody talk about American I'm just like, man, American Idol is stupid. I hate it, man. Dumb show, man. Worthless show, man. American Idol, man. You know, and I'm just like, and all of a sudden you come over to my house, and I have, like, American Idol wallpaper, the little action figures. <laughs> come on, Paula. Oh, you're so beautiful, you know. Okay? Are you with me? I have the action figures, the wallpaper, man, it's, it's playing through my television 24-7. You'd walk in and be like, uh, freak show, <laughs> you know. You'd be like, I, I thought you said you hated. And every time you come over, man, it's just American Idol playing on my television. <laughs> I don't know why I picked American Idol. You would begin to think, wait a second, I thought you said, no, you love, you are an American Idol freak, you know. Right? Why? Because you look at what my, my time is consumed with. Are you with me tonight? You look at what my time is consumed with, and because this consumes my time, then, oh my gosh, they must really like that. Okay? Right? Yeah? <laughs> Some people are like, well, you know, I don't really like my job, and I have to do that eight hours a day. Well, be happy you have a job, because <laughs> there's a lot of people that don't, you know? But not only that, we talked about this last week. If you're just looking at it as a job, then yeah, it's probably not going to be the funnest job in the world. But if you're looking at it as the scripture says, do all things as unto the Lord, everything your hand finds to do, man, when I go to work, see, I'm not going to work to get a paycheck. I'm not even going to work for the boss. I'm going to work because I have an opportunity to do really good works so they can glorify my Father who is in heaven. So you begin to look at it that way, and it's like, wow, it's no longer a job. It's like, I am, I, I am, like, I am like covert. Are you with me? I'm, it's top secret. I'm going in. You don't work for the boss? No. You're not working for a paycheck? Absolutely not. No. Really, what are you? I'm a Christian. <laughs> okay, don't be freaky about it, but you understand what I'm saying, okay? Like, wow. <laughs> Here, look at this. You know, but think about it for a minute. Who are you working for? Okay, your time. What consumes my time really does show the focus of my affection. You listen, here's the reality. It, you know, I can talk. I talk to people. Matter of fact, I was out with Camilla and we we're videoing some stuff, and I, and I ran into these people and I was asking them, "Oh, because they said they're Christian." I was like, "Where do you go to church?" And they're like, "Um," and then they tell me the name like after five minutes of like, and I'm thinking, "Oh, they must not go that often," you know. So this is your church? Oh, yeah, it's my church. When's the last time you were there? Like six months ago? You know? You think, well, where's all your time spent? Well, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really need church. I connect with God on my own. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. The reality of it is this. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints together. It's the Bible. It says, don't do it. Why? Because God's a lot smarter than we are. That's, that's why. So God puts it in his word. Hey, by the way, you might want to get together every now and then, hang out with one another. Okay? And it says this. It says, it says, um, it says uh, keep the Sabbath holy. Let me interpret that for us today. Go to church. Okay? You say, wow, you really plug an urban. <laughs> you want us to come to church? No, listen to me. Okay? I understand this. Jesus saved you. The man, the church did not save you. 
okay? Jesus Christ, by his grace, man, he saved you, and he can save you whether you're in church or out of church, okay? The church didn't save you, but the church will help keep you saved. Can I, can, are you with me tonight? It didn't save you, but it'll help keep you saved. Because <laughs> we're talking about the B-I-B-L-E, okay? It's a good book, okay? For me saying I don't need church is like, you know, I'm married, I don't need to go on dates with my wife. Okay? Now, did the dating, is that, is that, is that you know, is that what married us? No, the dating didn't marry us, but the dating sure will help keep our marriage together. Okay? Are you with me? I mean, can you imagine we get married, dates stop, 12 years of no dating. We never go out together, no, nothing. Okay? I don't think it would last 12 years. Okay? Are you with me? You, you, you following the concept? That's just dumb. Oh, we're married now. We don't need to go on dates. My wife would be like, <laughs> yeah, we do. Okay? That is, I don't need the church. I just connect with God on my own. Well, I just connect with God on my own. Where's your time? Where's your focus? Are you with me tonight? Your time. Now, we look at your time and where your time is invested says something about your life. Psalm 119 throughout the whole thing says this, man, on your words, on your statutes, on your law, I meditate day and night. Remember that old song? I only think of you on two occasions, day and night. Anyway, okay. I think it was like Stevie B or something like that. It was a great song back before any of you were born. Okay. I don't know. Day and I meditate on your word day and night. That's a lot. Are you with me tonight? That's not like I, I meditate on your word, you know, Christmas and Easter. Where's your time at? Where's your time at? Number two, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Can I just say this before I talk about treasure? Man, it all goes back really to a heart issue. Because, man, yeah, it's a struggle to take my wife on dates if I don't love her. If my heart is in this thing and I don't love her, it's kind of like, oh, great, another date night. <laughs> Babysitter, dinner, movie, there's 150 bucks down the drain. <laughs> what is that? that? That's a heart issue. That's getting back. Well, you don't love her, okay? Listen, man, it's a love thing. If you're not in love with Jesus Christ, then yeah, you probably have a hard time proclaiming him. If you don't love Jesus Christ, then yeah, it's probably hard to worship with your time. Or even in a setting like this. Okay, and I'm not here to critique anybody's worship style. Some people like to just sit and reflect, and that's fine. Some people like to raise their hands, and that's fine. Some people like to clap, and that's good. But listen to me. When you walk in, I don't care about the raising of the hands, the clapping, the sitting, being somber, but I want to know what's going on in your heart. Is your heart connected to God? Are you with me tonight? Same with your time, man. It, it comes back. It's not hard to spend time with God if you're in love with him. Treasure. We, we, we worship or we proclaim through our treasure. What I spend my money on speaks a message and sometimes more than we even know. Listen to this. Luke 12, 34. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Okay? If you look at the word treasure, it's not happy, fluffy feelings. Where my happy, fluffy feelings are, there my heart is also. Okay? It's not like this. No, if you look at the word treasure, it actually means money. 
And where your money is, there your heart is also. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you could talk like, you know, man, I, I do not like coffee. I only have like one cup a year, you know, and it's just, you know, and it's usually just because a friend wants to hang out. I hate coffee, man. Coffee is disgusting, man. It's the grossest thing on the planet. Man, I just don't even like it, you know. And all of a sudden we look at your bank account and you've spent 250 bucks at Starbucks this last month. Or last week, depending on how avid of a coffee drinker you are. Obviously, then, when we look at you, wait a second, your spending says something. You really do like coffee. Are you with me? Okay? So we can look at now where our treasure is. And, man, now I know your heart's probably not tied to coffee, okay? But, but, but just kind of flow with the example tonight. Some of you, maybe it is, okay? It's the Christian drug, right? Yeah, anyway. We look at where the treasure is, and then, wow, there's your heart, okay? And your time. If you're not spending time in church, then maybe, you know what? If you're not spending time with other believers, well, shouldn't I be out winning the lost? Absolutely. Okay, how are you getting equipped for that? Okay. If we look at our treasure, what's our treasure tied to? Okay, a lot of people have problems with this one. They have problems. I, I give my money to, to this or to that organizations, or, or I, just, you know, I just give as the Holy Spirit leads me. You ever heard that one before? Okay. Well, the Holy Spirit led us pretty clearly <laughs> through his word. Malachi 3, 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now listen to me tonight, okay? Now we understand this. If you understand this principle, does the money belong to Urban? No. Okay? Does the bl- money belong to me as a... Ba- no. Okay? First and foremost, everything you have belongs to God anyway. He's a nice God, so he only asks for 10% of it back. Are you with me? He's nicer than the government. Okay? He only asks for 10%. Okay? Well, yeah, I know, but I give 10% over here, and maybe you know how I'm led or whatever. Well, he led you. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse. Let me interpret storehouse for you. Storehouse is this. It's the church in which you are a part of. It's not urban, no, but if urban is the local church that you're a part of, then when you give the money in the offering, but you're not giving to urban, you're giving to God according to his word, it just happens to be that this is the church you attend. Okay? I know, well, I mean, because think about it this way, okay? Well, no, my money belongs, I'm going to write my, I'm going to give God my money. How are you doing that? Well, I just, I'm going to write a check. God. You know, are you with me? I'm, I'm, let me try this one. The Lord Jesus Christ. I just made it out to the wrong person. My fault. You ever tried that before? Well, he didn't take it. He must not want it. Okay? Get out the debit card. The machine's going to appear magically. Okay, check the account. Is anything coming out right now? Why? Because God has it. You see it in the New Testament. Can I take this a little further? <laughs> you see in the New Testament. You say, well, I don't believe that all the tithes and all the offerings, I don't believe in that principle. Oh, you don't? No, that's Old Testament. Okay, you believe in the New Testament then. Yeah, I'm, I'm a New Testament Christian. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I like the New Testament. Really? Read Acts. What? What does it say in Acts? The Bible says in Acts that they brought everything 
doesn't really say, yeah, read it. Acts, the first four books, or the first four chapters of Acts. And they laid it at the apostles' feet, everything. Their money, their homes, and they laid it there. And the apostles got to distribute it. Hopefully they weren't greedy. Oh, that's a nice home. I like that one, down by the beach in Del Mar. I'll take that one, you know. Wait a second, no, I'm not a New Testament Christian either, you know. I'm an intertestamental Christian. That 400 years that I didn't hear God at all, that's where I belong, you know. Okay. You've got to be one or the other. Me? I'm an Old Testament Christian man. 10% like clockwork. Here you go, God. <laughs> when you look where your money is, man, that's where your heart is tied. And now listen to me once again. If this isn't your church, then don't, don't, don't bring your ties here. Whatever church is your local church, man, that's where. And now listen to me. You're like, well, I don't like the way the pastor is spending the money. It doesn't matter. The minute it left your hands, okay, your blessing is not contingent on what he does with the money. Your blessing is contingent on what you do with your money. Are you with me tonight? Last time I read Malachi, man, when I give, man, the windows of heaven are opened up. And I'm telling you, I, I honestly am a living, walking, breathing example of what can take place when you give. The fact that we were able to get a home downtown is not because I'm a super saver. <laughs> Cuffing coupons, okay? I wish I did, but I don't. The reason we have a home is because, man, we learned a principle of tithing and giving, okay? Man, 12 and a half years ago, we, we, we determined, man, we are going to do this like clockwork. And I'm telling you, we've, we made me fail in a lot of areas, but one area we have not failed. And you can check our bank account if you want, like clockwork. Okay, now listen to me. I'm not saying that like, woo, look at me in the purple shirt, okay? <laughs> I'm simply, I can only talk to you out of my experience. And that's my experience. And I'm telling you that God has blessed us ever since. So our worship consists of our time. It consists of our, our treasure. Lastly, it consists of our talent. Our talent. What I dedicate my talents and abilities to speaks a message. Are you with me tonight? If I was to come to you and say, man, I love basketball, which I do. We play every Monday night, and we're one and four, but we're going to turn it around really quickly. Okay. We're going to win the next eight games. Feel it. I love basketball. I love that, and I tell you I love basketball. And then you come over and you hang out with me, but all I'm doing is, is practicing like, like football-ish type of things. Okay? Down set. Hey! Go long! You know, whatever it is, you know. Blue 94, 36, audible, you know, whatever, okay? And all I'm doing is football type of things. You're going to be like, dude, are you sure you don't love football? Are you with me? Why is that? Because, you know, why is that? I don't know where I'm at tonight. Jesus, come back, okay? Why is that? Because my talents are not being invested in basketball. They're being invested in football. And therefore, you're going to, whoa, no, you love football. No, I don't. Hike! You know? Now, why? Because my talents are, are telling you otherwise. The talents that God has given you, man, use them for gain, man. Use them in business. Use them in whatever it is and make lots of money. And I'm telling you, get rich with your talent. Awesome. And I really mean it. But if the only thing you use your talent for is for your own gain, you're missing it. 
God has gifted you in some aspect, and that gift was not just for a business. It was not just for this idea. It was not just for you to be successful in this. That, that talent was so that you could use it as a part of the body of Jesus Christ to glorify him and to build his church. Are you with me tonight? And so he's giving you that talent, man. Some of you, man, you have leadership talent. Oh, awesome. Get involved on the leadership team and lead people. Some of you have the ability to, to sing. Okay? Man, but, man, spending all your talent at the karaoke bar. Are you with me? Man, did you hear me tear that one up? Oh, yeah, I followed that bouncing ball. Perfect! Okay? Man, we have karaoke right here, 10.30 on Sunday, 6 o'clock Sunday night, okay? We even put the words on the screen for people, you know? If you want to play the air guitar, totally cool. I'm, t- I'm just saying this, okay? But God has given you a talent. Use it to build his kingdom. Why? Because what you worship proclaims something about you. What you worship, where your time is at, where your treasure is at, and where your talent is at. My worship proclaims something. My question is this, is it proclaiming Jesus Christ? My time proclaims something. Is it proclaiming Jesus Christ? My treasure proclaims something. Is it proclaiming Jesus Christ? My talent proclaims something. Is it proclaiming Jesus Christ? God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is so awesome. God, we thank you, Lord God, that we don't have to be like a Nebuchadnezzar, God. And not having you at the focal point of our life. And having to find something or someone else to worship. But God, I thank you that tonight we could simply come and open up our hearts and experience the wonderful, awesome goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, you've called us holy, you've called us chosen, you've called us set apart so that we might proclaim you with our worship. Just as, just as we end tonight, I just want to ask you to do this. If you could just close your eyes, and I know we do this every week, but I just want you just to cut out all of your surroundings for a minute. Just cut out your surroundings. Don't think about the person on your right and your left. I just want you to close your eyes, and I want you to, to think about this question. If I was to come and shadow you this week and watch you and evaluate your time and uh, evaluate where your money's being spent and uh, evaluate how your talent's being used, I want to ask you this question tonight. What would it be worshiping? Can I tell by the way you're spending your time that, man, you're a Christ follower? Can I tell by the way you're applying your treasure that, wow, you're a Christ follower. Could I, I tell by the way you're using your talents that, wow, that person, man, they're, they're a Christ follower. Only you know it's between you and God. But I want you to think about this tonight. Because if not, you can start tonight by making a choice to change. It doesn't happen overnight, but man, making one right choice after another right choice after another right choice, man, leads to a changed life.